You're listening to the Packernet Podcast Network. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome once again to the Packernet Podcast. I am your host and resident panelist, as always, Ryan Schlipp. Check us out online, packernet.com. Find me on Twitter, pack underscore data. Well, um, we are a little, as you know, behind the eight ball. We should have talked about the Buffalo Bills at least once by now. We have not. That means I should spend the entire day today discussing the Bills and how it is we go on to beat the Bills. Not going to do that. (laughs) We are. We are going to do that, but it's not going to be the whole time. Um, I don't know exactly where people are at in terms of I'm really tired of talking about this, that, or the other, and I want to move on. I, I don't know, but a couple things. Number one, for me personally, and maybe I'm alone, I don't know. This issue feels more important than the Bills game, which is weird because we have a Bills game today, right? Tomorrow for me. There's a football game. Kickoff, 8.20 p.m., NBC. That's what my screen says. I don't know. 7.20, Packer time. But honestly, if, if, if somebody told you they knew what was going on with the Packers and they knew whether or not this was going to get turned around, whether it be this week, this year, or in the near future, and another guy said, I know what's going to happen in this Bills game, who would you want to hear from more? I, I want to know what the heck is going on with the team. It just feels like such a much bigger issue. Even just, you know, it's like if, if somebody tells you we're going to get blown out by the Bills, it's like, okay, well, duh, I kind of expected that. Anyways, what the heck is going on? Why? Wait, blah, 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 blah. So I, I don't know. That's where I'm assuming a lot of people are at. Anyways, I want to very quickly touch on one thing, and then we're going to move on and talk about the Bills, all right? I had um, Isaac Hanks, Hankies, Hankes. It's got to be Hanks, right? There's just an unnecessary E in, in there. It's going to be one of those things that's like, there's no way I would have got that right. Hankes, like Ramirez. I don't know. It's like, <laughs> it's like the whitest Hispanic name ever. Yeah, that's John Hankes. Did you say Hankes? Yeah, Hankes, for sure. Anyways, he sent me something that I thought was uh, pretty awesome because I mentioned, I think it was last night on Packernet After Dark, I say these things a lot of times, especially with Aaron Rodgers, um, and I don't know if, if I'm right. I don't know if I'm alone. I don't know because I'm not hearing anybody else really talk about it. And like I've said a thousand times, I'm not an X and, X's and O's guy, but I'm also not an idiot. Anyways, Isaac sent me this clip or podcast and gave me the, the timestamp. This is the Athletic Football Show. It's a very good show. I'm so behind on podcasts, I haven't really listened, especially NFL shows. It's like, if I'm going to listen, I'm going to listen to Packer stuff. And if I'm going to listen to Packer stuff, it's probably going to be within my own network. So my ability to branch out and listen to anything else like the Athletic Football Show, again, good show, very minimal. But I want to go through and listen to what they had to say about the Green Bay Packers and the problems with the Green Bay Packers, because it feels like they're saying what I've been saying for a long time, and I've been thinking maybe I'm just crazy. And it's led me to a couple other thoughts. I want to just give you those thoughts, allow it to marinate, and then we can move on. That's the plan. That's, I'm 90% sure that's not what's going to happen because I'm not, I'm not built that way. But we'll, we'll try. So they start off talking about the offensive line and the the crisis that has been the offensive line right so they 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 go out and they try to play well and the guys that are really good are not playing well right so then they try to shuffle it 
And then in the midst of shuffling it, then David Bakhtiari's out. So now, now you've got this shuffled thing, and you got to keep Nyman now at right tackle because that's where he's been practicing. So now you bring in Zach Tom. Bah, 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 bah. The, the offensive line played well, but but they were starting their discussion about the Green Bay Packers and, and how bad things are going with the fact that the offensive line has been a problem. I want to pick it up from there. I mean, that, that is <laughs> yeah. a rough outcome, but their issues go far beyond losing yes. David Bakhtiari 24 hours before this game started. Oh, and we're talking about another dis- – I'm trying to segue this like you – another disappointing older quarterback, um, Rodgers – even when it is blocked up and we can talk about figuring what they're figuring out there, even though the receivers aren't upper tier or even above average, Rogers isn't really reading the game out uh, to the level of Aaron Rodgers. It is Rogers is dinking and dunking, which I know he always does, but we talk about a home, like three pointers and layups. That's why Aaron Rodgers, how he likes to attack. If you notice all of his home run attempts, all of his go balls are slot fades and simple goes. And that is because he can predetermine that pre snap. Yep. All right. Again, I, I I've been trying to say essentially this for a long time now in different kind of ways, I guess. Number 1, he's not reading the field. How many times have I said he's not going through his progression? How many times have I said he is predetermining who he's throwing the ball to? Again, I'm not saying things from an X's and O's standpoint because I don't know it from an X's and O's standpoint. I'm just telling you what I'm watching. But now we've got further, um, I don't want to say evidence, but somebody else is watching it from an X's and O's standpoint, describing specifically why they're running these garbage plays that they're running. And it's because we can pander to the way Rodgers likes to play, which is so that we can predetermine who he's going to throw to. By the way, how many times have I said we're playing a Mike McCarthy-style offense over and over and over and over and over? Do you remember what the biggest buzzword or buzz phrase was during the Mike McCarthy era? The, the one thing, what, it, what is the, the play that had everybody, every week you heard people complaining about a play? There was a certain play that everybody said that they, they, it just it made them want to throw up. I'll give you a hint. He just said it. Let's do this again. If you notice, all of his home run attempts, all of his go balls are slot fades and simple goes. Slot fades. Does that sound familiar to you? I'm going to, uh, just because he's been around a long time and tweets a lot, I'm just going to do something here. I'm going to search Aaron Nagler's Twitter for the word fade. Ready? Now, granted, a lot of this is goal line fade because that was a big thing for a while too, but it's not all goal line fade. By the way, this, is, this goes, as far as I can tell, between 2015 and 2020. The disdain for the fade. If this is a fade, I'll die. Throw a fade, waste a down. Texas gets what they deserve with that fade call. Just throw it to the hot dog vendor. There has to be, has to be a better call than a fade to James Jones. Has to be. Failed fade, drink. God, I hate the fade. The only call worse than a fade is a fade on fourth down. Another effing fade. This was on twenty in 2014, by the way. I know it's a big blitz and you have to get the ball out, but Lord, do I hate throwing the fade on any play you have, on any play that you have to have. Man, I hate the fade call with the game in the balance. Another horrible fade. I'm not a big fade guy on any down. So, so the point is, this has been a point of contention for a while. We don't like that. In, in general in the NFL, but the point is, it was a very popular thing that Rodgers and McCarthy ran that everybody got annoyed by. PFF did an article in 2018, it's time to fade the fade. And again, what they're saying on the athletic football show isn't that the Packers like to run the fade because it's successful, it's because Rodgers then can predetermine things. So that ties in real nicely with my observation that Rodgers is not going through his progressions. And now it sounds like they're calling plays specifically now that are designed to go to one guy. And then that got me thinking about another thing. How many times I notice guys like Christian Watson and Romeo Dobbs aren't actually running real routes. The entire purpose of their route is to draw away coverage so that somebody underneath can come open. Those are plays that are designed to go to one guy. Isn't this the kind of thing you do to quarterbacks that really suck? You draw up plays that go to one guy so that they don't have to really work very hard to go through progressions and things? Is that seriously what we're doing right now with the back-to-back MVP? 
We're drawing up plays specifically so that he doesn't have to go through reads and he can make up his mind based on coverages where he wants to go pre-snap. Is that what's happening right now? Because I'll, I'll grant you, even though I can't prove this, but let's just say for, for the sake of argument that pre-snap Rodgers is great, reading the defense, et cetera, et cetera. I have no real reason to believe that right now because he seems like he can't read a defense right now. But let's just pretend he can, right? He's making adjustments. He's doing all kinds of great stuff. Post-snap, what is that guy doing that's, that's halfway decent? After he snaps the ball, I have no idea. But that is terrifying to me. If we are now running plays that are designed so that Rodgers doesn't have to do anything post-snap other than throw it to the guy that he already preordained before the ball got snapped to him. And that is because he can predetermine that pre-snap. Yep. He can go, I got man, I'm taking this right away. That's what he did with Devontae. This is exactly what I said. This is exactly what I said he was doing. We all said that this could be a net positive because now Rodgers can't key on on Devontae. But he's not changing. He's still playing the way that he played with Devontae, but we don't have Devontae anymore. Remember, in the, this should have been a massive red flag because I was shocked when he said it wouldn't be an, an overstatement to say that 80% of plays were designed to go to Devontae. Now I'm terrified because I'm starting to think that the entire offense for I don't know how many years, we, we can pretend it's only been the last couple of years, but I, let's just say I have no idea how many years this offense has been run by a quarterback who's what he does is says prior to the snap, I'm going to my superstar, whether that's Devontae, Cobb, Jordy, Jennings, whatever. I know based on the coverage, based on the play call, and based on the guys that I have, I'm going to that guy. How many years has this been going on? I don't know, because we've kind of always had a stud. I know the year that, that Jordy was gone, we completely imploded. And you could say, well, we're 7-0 and without Devontae. That's a fair point. I'm, I'm very tempted to go back and watch those games and see what happened. Because right now I'm watching a guy that is saying, prior to the snap, you're going to have to be a stud. I need you to be Devontae. And then, and then we're trashing the wide receivers like, dude, why aren't you Devontae? No! Stop treating him like Devontae. This is insane. We're running the offense the same way we did when we had Devontae, and we shouldn't have even doing, been doing it then. It's one thing to, to determine pre-snap based on, you know, okay, he's got, you know, single man-to-man coverage. Yeah, yeah, we'll make an adjustment. We'll, we'll pick this apart. But you're doing that 80% of the time. Like, I, I, you know, once in a while, Lazard, you're the guy. Forget the guy. Let's run a play with multiple routes and progressions, and you go through the progressions and find the right throw at the right time and throw it to that guy. What do you mean you're the guy? You ever, it's making me wonder about a lot of things. You ever notice how in the past we always said there's always one guy? There's always one guy that has a big day. Devontae's usually the guy. But every once in a while it's Lazard. Every once in a while it's uh, MVS. Not usually, but every once in a while it's Tunyon. But in every game there's always like one guy that's the guy. I don't know, I'm just thinking about stuff, man. Because this is freaking weird. This doesn't make sense to me. And, and what my brain is telling me is it doesn't make sense because we know Rodgers is better than this. Do we? Well, yeah. I mean, he won MVP. Well, yeah. But was he doing something different before? Or is this what he's always done? And now he can't do it because he doesn't have that dude anymore. I'm just asking. Is this a new thing that he's doing suddenly because he just doesn't trust his receivers or what? But that doesn't make sense because if you don't trust your receivers, why do you lock in on them? Is it because you don't trust your offensive line? I I guess. It's a lame excuse, but okay, we got to figure something out. I don't get it. Post-snap Rodgers is not happening right now. Right. And exactly. right now, like, so a third of Rodgers' pass attempts this year have been at or behind the line of scrimmage. Today it was 31%, so right in line with yes. the season average. So it's 30, he's at 33.2 for the season. The NFL average is 22%. That is the highest percent since 2012. 2012. Nobody since 2012 has thrown this many at or behind the line of scrimmage throws as, as a percentage of throws. Why are we doing this? Why? Well, he doesn't trust his receivers. So then every time we go beyond the line of scrimmage, we, we do these prepackaged, predetermined plays. And we wonder why the offense isn't working. The problem I'm having is even if we clean up the mistakes, right? So, so all the mistakes are gone. The drops are gone and the blocking mistakes are gone. This is this is not going to work. This isn't going to work. This plan doesn't work. We need different plays and a quarterback that's willing to do different things, or this will never work. 
But right now, we we have two major problems. We have a garbage offense that is also making a lot of mistakes. And we're we're covering it up, the, the garbage offense part, with the mistakes and saying, well, look at the drops. Look, there was four drops. What do you expect? Dude, that ain't it. This is terrible. Tied with Alex Smith in his one year with Washington in 2020. Oh, my God. For the... Yes, the highest percentage of throws that are at or behind the line of scrimmage. He is at a historical rate, 33% of those. And I'll, uh, and Bellary, you can put the clip up, clip up for the YouTube uh, listeners, is that this is last week against the Jets. And so many. So that this is just, just so we're clear again. As a non X's and O's guy, sometime I'll watch a play and say, I don't understand why you did that. But I can't delve too much because I maybe there's an explanation. You know, sometimes you look at it and go, that seems really stupid. And then you get somebody, you know, Kurt Benkert or whatever comes. Oh, well, technically, da, 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 and then he just pulls the trump card. I'm like, well, I guess I got a, no choice but to back off because I can't. I don't know that he's right, but I don't know that he's wrong, whatever. Here is an example of one of the things that I've been talking about that they're talking about from an X's and O's standpoint that are kind of pointing to Something is wrong with this this situation and this quarterback in particular. You know, these plays is there is him scrambling, or it was a bootleg, I'm sorry. Oh, we saw and this him one. looking down the field, and he just doesn't throw it. He Or he does throw it, and he doesn't scramble. He has a wide-open lane there to run for about 10 yards, maybe more, and instead he throws a contested trick shot into, like, for whatever reason, behind him. And it's one of those where it's like what he's doing this a lot where he's hunting these plays randomly. Nothing's happening in structure or he's signaling and dinking and dunking on the outside. So there's another play that uh, against the Jets that I noticed was this happens a ton with Rodgers. This was last week. This was um, against the Giants. This was this week is he if the pre-snap read is not open, he's just hanging out Yep. and he's not getting into the ad lib bounce around world. He's like, just like, screw it. I'm curling up and taking the hit here or I'll throw this one away and I'll look at the sideline and give him palms up like that play call was terrible. Right. So again, another part of the frustration, you've got a quarterback that is predetermined where he's going to go, which is stupid, right? This isn't. You're not a rookie on a garbage team that's really struggling. We're just trying to, to, to give you some layups here. Like, we're doing a one-read play. But that's what he's doing. He's predetermining beforehand, and then when it's not open, he just stares at him. And if it's not there, he's either going to take a sack, he's going to scramble, which there used to be a time when he would scramble, and, and there was a huge proportion of those plays that would be completed, whatever. Probably partly because of the receivers and everything else, whatever, but it doesn't happen anymore. So then he's going to run for a yard or he's going to throw away or whatever. And then he's going to have an attitude as if he's not the one staring at one receiver expecting him to get open. And then when he doesn't like, this is stupid. We, we, you know, this is what happens when you don't have Devonte. Where's my superstar that just makes magic happen all the time. He had one against the jets. They run a four by one concept. I, I'll mention this a few times. I've mentioned these types of plays a few times because you can really tell how the quarterback's reading the game on these because it's a pre-snap read. It's zone. You go one side, man, you go to the other. He has Romeo Dobbs, I believe, on the one-man route in the foresight over there. The Jets are obviously playing in his own coverage. They have three guys to Dobbs' side, so it's a three-on-one. He looks at Dobbs and hangs on Dobbs, and, it's, and he's, Dobbs is running a slant route. And it's like, why are your eyes going there, one? Two, why are you hanging over there? This is what I'm talking about in terms of why I can't even believe that he's making he's, – he's this genius quarterback that can read defenses and knows what to do. Do you hear what they're saying right now? They're saying that based on the offensive concept, this is very simple. It's a very simple read. On the left side, if they're playing man coverage, that's where you go. If they're playing zone, you go to the right side. There's three guys over by Dobbs. You don't do that if you're in man, because there would just be one guy on one guy. In that case, you'd go to Dobbs, and you'd expect him to win this quick slant on the inside, and you throw it to him. Guys that know a fraction of a fraction of a fraction of what Aaron Rodgers knows are looking at this play going very obviously you're going to throw to the right he predetermined he wanted to throw to Romeo Dobbs on this play so not only is he predetermining it's not even based on anything that makes any sense this is basic stuff basic stuff in which any quarterback especially somebody of his caliber would know based on this the play is to my right not only does he make the wrong read, 
the wrong decision pre-snap while he has time to assess the defense. He's making the wrong read, but he stares at him. He never comes off him. He never says, oops, that ain't it for whatever reason. I guess I made a mistake there. That zone and that ain't going to work. So I should go the other way. He stares at him and he stares at him and he stares at him and then he forces a throw. Someone explain this to me. How does this happen to a guy like Aaron Rodgers? Explain this to me because I don't get it. Like you got three defenders going there. You have a safety, a corner, and a linebacker. It's the easiest four-man side read you can ever have. This is day one install for a quarterback. And Rodgers has run this concept a million times because usually he had Devontae Adams as his lone guy. And sometimes he could just say, F*** the read. I'm going to number 17 here. Exactly. What else makes sense other than that? What else makes sense? He has gotten so accustomed to being bailed out by Devontae Adams. He has gotten so accustomed to being lazy. He doesn't even need, and, and here's the thing that's really scaring me is how much has this offense been held back because he's, he's choosing not to make the right play because he just trusts no matter what, Devontae's going to make that play and I'm going to force it in there. The wrong play would be to that side, but guess what? Devontae can do it. And so now he has gotten that so ingrained into his brain. And again, I don't know if this is the last three years with Devontae, four years with Devontae, or if this goes back to the Jordy, the Jennings, the driver, the, 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 how far back this goes. That he just said, this is my dude and I think he'll win. I don't know. But Devontae Adams is gone. And if you're telling me that you're, you're treating all these guys as other Devontae and you're just making up your mind that that's not even based on the coverage, just based on a whim, just based on how you feel in the moment, like my dude's going to win a, sl- a slant and I'm going to make a tight throw and it's going to get caught. And then when it doesn't, we talk about these wide receivers suck and can't get open. What else could that possibly be? Aaron Rodgers is a quarterback that that we he even talked about this about you know when he talked about the the old offense he ran and how beautiful it was what was it based on according to Aaron Rodgers this offense is based on scheme his old offense is based on what it's based on timing and receivers winning their routes Rodgers never really had to care about the defense I'm sure to some extent he did but but a lot of it he didn't as long as he could just have this perfect arm that he had, and as long as he had these elite wide receivers, they could be sloppy. He could be sloppy, and he had a great offensive line for most of his career. So he had time in the pocket, he had receivers that could win their route, and he had an arm that could put the ball anywhere. And that gave him the ability to be sloppy. Rogers, the play was over there. Yeah, but I made the play, didn't I? Rogers, on this concept, you don't go to this side, you go to that side. Why? Devontae's over there. We got it, didn't we? We converted. He's, he's, he's like an addict that has become so dependent on his elite receiver and is scared to go anywhere else, and now he doesn't have that. Now he's in like a rehab facility that has nothing, and he doesn't know what to do, and he's constantly trying to find these safety blankets and security blankets. And it's like, Dobbs, will you be my security blanket? No. Lazard, will you please be my security blanket? And he's going around trying to force the ball to the wrong guys at the wrong time in the wrong position. And they're not coming up with the plays. And he's like, who's going to be my security blanket? Who's going to step up and be my guy? And it's like, Rodgers, no, we're not doing that anymore. We don't have that anymore. You know, even that beautiful touchdown pass to Aaron Jones, what was it? He wasn't open, but Rodgers made a perfect pass and Aaron Jones made a perfect catch. And we look at that and go, yeah, that's the offense we want to see. It really isn't. We need to get away from that. I mean, that's nice to have. If there's nothing there, if, if, if the plate isn't working and guys aren't open and you got a guy that you can throw a ball up to and he can go up and get it, that's awesome. But it can't just be that. It can't just be, I'm such a good quarterback and he's such a good receiver that we're just going to beat you no matter what. Those days are dead. Devontae is gone. And you need to be able to make simple pre-snap and post-snap reads. You need to go through progression. You need to trust your offensive line, stand in the pocket, go through your progressions, and make the right call. Because right now, it just feels like we're panicking and being stupid. And again, I, this, is, this is how it always felt, and now I got guys explaining to me that one of the most basic pre-snap reads any quarterback could make, Rodgers is refusing to even do it and is staring down. Not only is he staring down guys, he's staring down the wrong guy. You shouldn't have even looked left. The play was to your right. What are we doing? Now he doesn't have a f- the read type of guy. And now you can see it catching up to him a lot that he's used to go. Oh, I, would, I used to just hit my one-on-one all the time here. It's like, oh, sh-. exactly. Exactly. Somebody give me a better theory than that. 
Rodgers has gotten sloppy. He is it, it, Maybe a better way to put it is he's developed really bad habits. Having really good offensive lines and elite wide receivers his entire career has caused him to create bad habits. And it's the thing that made him a superstar. The thing that made him Aaron Rodgers. He, he is the opposite of Tom Brady. As much as they're both like, you know, in competition for best quarter, they're the exact polar opposite. Tom Brady operates within the structure of the play and he always find, he stands in the pocket like a statue. He reads the defense. He looks the right way. He throws the right ball at the right time. And he makes the offense work efficiently. I'm not going to sit here and say Rodgers has never done that because I don't know for sure. I'm just starting to wonder. But I'll tell you what's always made Rodgers Rodgers. It's making that perfect, ridiculous throw that nobody can make to, to one of his superstar wide receivers. And we've always been in awe of the amazing things that he's been able to do. But here's the problem. Rodgers has absolutely lost a step in terms of his accuracy, in terms of his mobility. And now you take away his superstar receiver. And you take away his offensive line, and this thing has come crumbling completely down. And the fact of the matter is, we have the wrong quarterback. And there's only one of three ways that this goes. Number one, new quarterback. Ain't going to happen, right? But that's number one. Number two, Rodgers learns to change. He has to change. Can't be that guy anymore. You don't have Devontae. You don't have a great offensive line. you got to learn to stand in the pocket, make the right decision, pre-snap, post-snap, go through your progression, throw to the right guy. Don't think that's going to happen. I guess technically there's, there's four things. No, number three would be we just continue on this path and we suck. Or number four, we try to build the offense that Rodgers needs, which would mean going out and getting a superstar wide receiver. Maybe that means going out and getting Odell Beckham. I don't know if he's even good enough, but if, if this is what we're going to do, if this is what we need, we need Rodgers to just have a guy that he can just lean on all the time that can just win routes, even if it's the wrong one. You understand now why they wanted to massively overpay Devontae. I was shocked to find out how much they wanted to pay him. Maybe it's because they understood that this team is not going to work without Devontae. And by the way, if, if what I'm saying is true, and I don't know that it is. I mean, I, I know that what's happened this year is true. I don't know if this has been a problem for a long time. But let's just say this has been a problem for a while. And Rodgers' flaws have been hidden by Devontae a pretty solid offensive line, and a little bit of the Matt LaFleur scheme that has made things a little bit easier and found, you know, been able to get guys open. If that is the case, shame on the Packers for extending Aaron Rodgers. Because you saw these flaws since day one, and you decided to pay him that much money. These are massive, massive, massive flaws. If Devontae Adams can make the difference between MVP Aaron Rodgers and bottom of the league, can't make simple basic reads Aaron Rodgers, that's a big deal, man. That's a really big deal. And now we got to sit here and tiptoe around the fact of whether or not we should let him run the team? Dude, come on. Come on, guys. You got to man up and take this thing back and say, I'm sorry, dude. You are not running jack squat. You need to do the basics here, dude. Come on, Rodgers. I mean, th this is embarrassing. How many years we've defended this guy and saying he's better than Brady, he's the best in football, nobody throws the ball better than he does, blah, 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 blah. And now we're failing to beat middling garbage teams and we're hearing that Rodgers can't make basic reads? What are we doing? And now you can see it catching up to him a lot. That he's, you just go, oh, I used to just hit my one-on-one -on -one all the time here. It's like, oh, shoot, I have to read this concept out? I ain't doing that. So he holds onto the ball and takes a sack. Or he holds on the ball and throws it away. And it's, that's cropping up time and time again. And that is not... It's, it's hard. I mean, their run game is actually pretty good, especially out of the shotgun. They're eighth in, uh, in success rate, I believe, in the run. Eighth in success rate. The run, hey, the run game's actually working. But we want to force feed this. Good Lord. I mean, th th this just feels like Rodgers is having serious issues. Nobody wants to confront the guy, and nobody will even take the offense away from him. Is Matt LaFleur even mentioning this stuff to Rodgers, or are we just so scared of the guy that we won't even say anything? I, 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 I'm, this is staggering. Running the game, running the game, running the ball, but it's just this passing game is just all horizontal with one or two shots, and usually it's just a performative type of shot play. The most disgusting number I found that related to the Packers passing game this year, on the season, they have completed 11 passes that went for no gain or negative yardage. Completed 11 passes that went for no gain okay. or negative yardage. That's second in the NFL. He goes on to say that it's the Chargers that are number one, and it's disgusting because of the other guy. Uh, and then they talk about the Chargers for a while, so I'm not going to play that. But 
There you go. It, it, everything you look at is like, what is going on? What is going on? What it was second in the league in passes that go for no gain or negative yards. Well, yeah, when you throw behind the line of scrimmage every other, every third play, it's that's. <sighs> so anyways, that's what I wanted to leave you with to kind of marinate on. Is this something that Rodgers, he's, he's developed bad habits this year. He's never really done this before. He's always been real good about this, that, or the other thing. And it's new this year. Or are these bad habits that have been with the Green Bay Packers for a long time that we all overlooked because it worked? Because the combination of talent, whether that be offensive line, Aaron Rodgers' arm talent, obviously Devontae Adams, and a pretty stout run game, even though we didn't use it very often, it kind of hid the fact that this offense is leaving uh, way too much on the table. And then you go back and you look at those playoff losses. And, And what I've said for years, if you want to beat the Green Bay Packers, Win up front. Make Rodgers uncomfortable. With the, this team has one way to win. They've always had one way to win. And if you take that way away, then, then we're done. Make him uncomfortable. He panics and the, the accuracy goes down and everything just falls apart. And now it just seems like that's every week. So we need to see a lot from this team overall. There's a lot of issues from top to bottom. But, you know, again, the, the thing that I said that I'm starting to doubt already, again, I changed my mind a lot and this is like two days later. I had said the biggest thing you can do to turn this team around, and it's probably still true just to a smaller extent is to minimize the mistakes. Because now we're talking offense, defense, and special teams. We're talking offensive line. We're talking wide receivers. We're talking Rodgers. We're talking the defense, you know, with tackling and, and basic things. Reduce the mistakes, right? They're making 10 to 15 mistakes a game. Get that down to four or five mistakes. And this, this team is massively improved. But I think there is a hard cap on how good this team can be if we don't learn how to play football with the guys that we have. And right now, we're trying to play Devontae Adams ball which is throw, 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 stare down, stare down, stare down, force the ball, force the ball, force the ball. And that will not work with the offense we have. What we have is limited talent at wide receiver, premier talent at running back, and an offensive line that's slowly starting to figure it out. And, and I think tight ends that are underutilized. I think Tunyon is beginning to emerge a bit, and he's still under. I know he had a bunch of receptions or whatever, but it seems like that's we're not trying to do that it's mostly like he's sort of the safety valve and and on the on the rare occasion rogers is like okay nothing's there throws with the safety valve then that's what tunyon get we're not trying to utilize them much in in the passing game and if we are rogers has no interest in, in looking in that direction same with deguara i've said deguara seems to do a great job when he's actually incorporated in the passing game we're not doing it and obviously we we have some ability in terms of blocking i think deguara does a pretty good job mercedes you know, he, he struggles sometimes to, to hold a block, but I love what he does in terms of his violence, his tenacity, and his timing. I thought this last game was incredible. I think even Tyler Davis is, is in a, sort of an untapped thing. Uh, Amari is on. There's so much untapped because, again, we, we, we get so laser focused, and I think Matt's a big part of that problem as well. You know, we, we need to build a game plan, and, and the game plan needs to revolve around like these three guys. No, you don't need to do that. That's not what we need to do. We're, we're, just, we're just doing this wrong. And, and we've, we've really just got two options. We can continue down this path and continue to talk about execution, which is stupid. Because now I'm realizing when they say we just need guys to execute, what, what you really mean is we need guys to play up to Devontae Adams' standard. That ain't going to happen. We can continue down this path, or we can go get Rodgers his stud. And, and again, I don't know that that guy exists, because Odell Beckham's probably your best option. I don't know if he's good enough to be that guy that we can just force feed the entire game. I mean, Odell Beckham went to the Rams. He didn't go there and was their number one dominant receiver. He was like a, a good complimentary number two. You want him to come here? I mean, I, I don't know. Chase Claypool ain't it. I don't think Odell is it. I don't think that guy exists. Julio ain't it. Julio's barely a number two. He's played, what, two games this season? I think maybe he just played his third. He went out and got Sammy. I know Rodgers want, and, and that's, you know, he, he wants guys to be that, you know, but they're not. So that's one of the things that we really just need to start seeing. There's a lot of things that are, that are problematic that we need to start seeing. But, you know, I, I want to see the guy stand in the pocket and go through his reads and find the open guy and throw a good ball to the open guy because that is, that is kind, of, kind of the basics of what makes a good quarterback a good quarterback. The ability to stand in the pocket, go through your progressions, find the open guy, and throw a good ball to the open guy. That's, that's step one. Step two, minimize mistakes. Step three, we are a playoff contender on our way to challenging a team for a Super Bowl. That's really it for me. It's a two-step process. Rodgers needs to 
play better as a quarterback and not play hero ball. It's probably been a while, and that's that's part of the problem. When was the last time he did it? College? <laughs> I'm sure that's not it, but I'm just saying. Anyways, why don't we take a break? Patreon.com forward slash pack underscore daddy if you'd like to support the podcast. Uh, Fertile Ground Ranch Discipleship Ministry would be another great option if you're looking to support something. FertileGroundRanch.org. We'll take a break. We'll be right back. We all have smartphones, and we all know they're pretty amazing, but they also can be amazingly distracting, especially when we're around other people. So U.S. Cellular wants us to reset our relationship with our phones by putting down our phones for five. That's right, a company that sells phones wants us to put down our phones. And to see what we find, learn more at uscellular.com forward slash built for us. In the hobby, it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. We get all hyped up thinking we're going to get some high-value Jordan Love card, but with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark. Until now, introducing Slab Packs from ArenaClub.com, the only repack that provides real value, a complete view on all possible cards, and clear hit rates for each one. Now when I buy Slab Packs on Arena Club, it finally feels like I know what I'm getting. And honestly, the best thing for me and my son is the fact that we're kind of novices into this. When I walk into a card shop with my son and a card says it costs $40, kind of just taking his word for it that that's a good value. So I appreciate the transparency on grading, as well as just getting excited about seeing what you could potentially get. Right now, you can get 10% off your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash packdaddy. Wow, that's crazy offer. 10% off a $400 slab pack. That's 40 bucks right there. Anyways, that's arenaclub.com slash packdaddy for 10% off your first purchase. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need a fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. You guys are going to kill me. Um, five, give me, give me one minute and 10 seconds. <laughs> just, I swear to you, this was not my intention. I just went on Twitter, all this clip, and I just want to play it, and then we're moving on, and I, I'm not even, I'm not even going to comment. I won't even comment. I promise you. I just want to play this clip for you. This is from the OG Rivals podcast. It's a very, very cool podcast. Um, obviously, you should start with the Packernet podcast and every podcast within the network. But if you're all caught up, Check out the OG Rivals podcast. It is a Packer fan and a Bear fan that do a podcast together. I think it's a cool concept. Anyways, presented to you without comment, and then we're moving on. One thing I heard today, that, let me let me ender on this here. Um, Matt LaFleur said something today that really bothered me, and it should probably, you know, unless it, it truly means something else, should bother the rest of you. Um he said that we need the other 10 guys to be at their best so that Aaron can play his best. <laughs> that is not an MVP. That is not a franchise quarterback. A franchise quarterback, and the way that we have spoken about Aaron Rodgers for the majority of his career, is that he elevates the play of the people around him which would mean he needs to be at his best for them to be at their best. But the coach, the guy who's most familiar with the situation right now, said the inverse. He speaks about Aaron Rodgers the way that most speak about a rookie quarterback. The rookie quarterback is the one that needs the other 10 at their best so that he can be at his best. Yeah. Really alarming. That's what I would expect him to say about Jordan Love. So the fact that he came out and said that in a press, press conference about Aaron Rodgers should be massively alarming to everyone. 
So again, I'm going to keep my promise for once ever, and I will not comment. If you have any thoughts, because here's here's the situation. Not everybody agrees, and I want to hear because I don't want Packernet After Dark to turn into a massive Rogers bash fest. But because I'm choosing not to comment, I want to continue this conversation over there because we really need to move on. Please call in 601-50... Hold on. 608-501-0718 is the phone number. You just call in, leave a message with your, with your thoughts. All right? And I promise you, I'm, I, I can't promise you I'll agree with you, but I'm very willing to admit that I don't know everything. I just told you I've changed my mind um, in the last two days. And it, it seems like every day I have a new theory because this whole thing is kind of crazy. So I'm very wide open to um, the idea that I'm way off on all this stuff. So please, it doesn't matter. I, I, I don't want it to turn into a bubble over at Packernet After Dark where it's like, well, I don't know. Everybody over there thinks this way, so I don't want to call in. Just call in and, and tell me what you think, and we'll explore it. Because I, I just, I just want to go walking through the woods, man. We got to do some exploring. Because I don't know what the heck is going on. I'm just telling you at any given moment what makes the most sense to me in that moment. And then a new piece of information comes and I'm like, oh, nope, I was wrong the whole time. I'm an idiot. But I love that because I want to be the most informed, intelligent, correct person on planet Earth. And I can only get there if people continue to give me better information. So if you have new, better information, please give it to me. It's kind of like Highlander. You know, you cut off people's heads and you take all the stuff from them. I have a podcast where people can call in and give me all the stuff that's inside their head. And I don't even have to use a sword. You just hand it to me. And then I collect it all. And I am the superpower that knows all things. It's amazing. <laughs> Anyways, all right, we're moving on. 608 Please call me. Please talk to me. Please be my friend. Let's talk about the Buffalo Bills, man, because here's the situation. From now on, already 40 minutes in, from this moment on, the Green Bay Packers will will beat the Buffalo Bills. Do you understand what I'm telling you right now? Not a question. I ain't asking you nothing. Green Bay Packers will beat the Buffalo Bills. The only thing left to do now is to fill in the blanks and explain to you how we get there. That's so simple, dude. I mean, come on. What are you talking about? That sounded like a terrible Christopher Walken impression. I promise that's not what I was trying to do. What are you talking about, dude? It's, it's simple. It's right there. Let me, let, let me explain it to you like a small child, okay? The first thing that I wanted to do, because we are big underdogs, which is a new thing, and, uh, you know, the question that I had is, when you beat a team that you're really not supposed to beat, how in the world did you do it? Is there a formula for this? Went back over the last few years, going back to 2019, so 19, 20, 21, and a little bit of 22. 10 point, teams that are 10-point favorites that lost, 31 of them. How, how did they lose? What went wrong? Or more importantly, what went right? For the underdog that won. Couple things. First of all, unfortunately, a lot of the biggest upsets come within the division. If you see two teams in the same division, don't ever bet against the underdog because you just never know. Biggest upset 2019 Miami over New England. You also got Jacksonville Indy, you got Cincy Pittsburgh, Atlanta New Orleans. These are some of the biggest upsets. So I, I kind of want to ignore those, but at the same time, the answer is the same either way. Let's look at a couple that are not in the same division. Second biggest upset, Rams-Jets. Rams were 17.5-point favorites. The Jets beat them 23-20. to 20. This was in 2020. From the Rams' perspective, scoring 23 points, excuse me, 20 points, it's kind of middle of the pack. Same with giving up 23 points, pretty middle of the pack. But from the Jets' perspective, 23 was slightly above average, but 20 was one of the best defensive performances they had the entire season. Tied for third best, allowing only 20 points. Next, you'll notice turnovers. Now, this isn't saying a ton, but they won the turnover battle. They were plus one in the turnover battle. How about another big one? Bills-Vikings in 2018. This was the you know dominant Vikings team against back when the Bills sucked. Bills won 27-6. to Again, from the standpoint of... The Bills, scoring 27 points, pretty solid for them. They did have two that were higher, but defensively, that was the best game they played all year. The only game they allowed less than 10 points was that game against the Minnesota Vikings. They had a plus three turnover differential. So technically, they had a game against Miami that had four, and they had a bunch of others with three positive turnovers for their team. 
but only twice did they have a plus three turnover differential. They beat the Vikings 27-6. They beat Miami 42-17. How about Buffalo-Jacksonville? This was in 2021 when Buffalo was supposed to annihilate the Jacksonville Jaguars. The Jaguars won 9-6. I don't think I have to explain to you who won that game as far as offense and defense for the Jaguars. The offense scored nine points, but they won because the defense only allowed six points to the number three ranked offense in all of football. By the way, 2021 Bills looking a lot like the 2022 Bills. Number three offense, number one defense. Turnovers are a big factor for the Bills in 2021. There were three games where they had three turnovers or more. Two of those they lost. They didn't lose a lot of games. One was to Jacksonville. One, they turned the ball over four times and didn't get it back once. That was negative four. They lost that game to the Colts 41 to 15. This game they only lost by three, but it was the Jacksonville Jaguars. Turnovers were a major factor, and largely it was the defense that won the game. How about Saints-Falcons in 2019? Saints were 14-point favorites. The Falcons won 26-9. to Again, I don't know that I necessarily need to explain to you who won the game. 26 points is dead average for the Atlanta Falcons. Nine points, second best the defense has done that entire season. In fact, if we just go down the line and look at the scores... Uh, so far, 24, 27, 20 to 26, 6 to 27, 11 to 26, 17 to 20, 10 to 30, 23 to 30, 17 to 20, 10 to 30, 22 to 30, 17 to 20, 10 to 30, the offensive scores were 0, 12, 3, 17, 23, 10, 17, 9, 6, 17, 11, 6, 20, 24. In almost every single game, the offense of the team that was the biggest favorite didn't score enough points, and the disappointment for the favorited team was the offense. And usually turnovers were a big factor in that. In fact, if you look at the teams that won and the scores that they had, there's nothing massively impressive about any of the scores. In fact, none of them. Well, you had one that was 30. That were two, two that were 30. I'm just seeing them now. 27, 23, 27, 26, 27, 9, 26, 20, 23, 30, 20, 21, 30, and 9. We're not talking about 41 to 29 blowouts. We're not talking about shootouts. Every single one of these games, with the exception of a couple, and even the ones where they scored 30, 30 wasn't really necessary. 30 to 12, Detroit beat Arizona. 30 to 23, Philadelphia beat the Rams. Most of these games, you're scoring low to mid 20s, and you're winning because your defense keeps the other team's offense from scoring, period. So the question I guess I have is it entirely possible for our defense to hold them? to sub-20 points. Let me remind you, last week they scored 24 points. Two weeks before that, Buffalo, they scored 23. The week before that, 19. Three out of their last four weeks, they have not really racked up a ton of points. The biggest reason they won was because of their offense. Now, granted, sub-20 might not even be enough. This may need to be one of those six to nine games. I don't know. But have you personally seen enough? And and the answer is probably no, but I'm going to ask it anyways. Have you personally seen enough from the defense to believe that if they can play a game that is a little bit more clean, a little bit less mistakes, they have the, the ability to keep Buffalo to around 10 to 13 points? I believe that they can, genuinely. The bigger question, though, is is the offense going to be able to overcome whatever bar the defense sets, no matter how low they set it, whether it be 19 points, 15 points, 10 points? Is our offense going to be able to go up against the Buffalo Bills defense and get over that bar? Can they score 10 points against Buffalo's defense? Can they score 13 points? Can they score 14? Can they score 17? Can they score 20? That's legitimately my question. Buffalo's one loss this entire season came in the one game that they scored less than 20 points. I think that is the formula. I don't think we rack up 30 points. Their defense has not allowed more than 21 all year. All year, 21 is the most a team has scored. And our offense, give me a break. If we can get to 21, that's a good day against any defense. 
The other interesting tidbit about that game against Miami that Buffalo lost, again, turnovers are always a factor one way or another. The only game in which the Buffalo Bills defense didn't have a single turnover, in fact, it's the only game they didn't have two turnovers, was against the Miami Dolphins. 4-3-2-2-2-0. The one game was zero. They didn't win the game. And honestly, Buffalo's offense, as much as their points indicate a certain thing or whatever, when you factor in the turnovers and how many times the defense is giving the offense the ball back, how great is this team to score 23, 24, and 19? I mean, you score, when your defense gives you the ball back twice and you can only manage 23 points or 24 points, and then the one time your defense doesn't give you the ball back, you only get to 19. Is this this, an elite powerhouse offense? I mean, they scored 41 against the Titans, but their defense gave them back the ball four times and they didn't turn over the ball once. When you have a plus four turnover ratio, yeah, I would expect a pretty high score. I don't think we need to be necessarily intimidated by Buffalo. I think you need to play a clean game of football. If you see an opportunity to take the ball away, you better do it. No more dropped interceptions. Because there's only been one game that they didn't turn the ball over, and that was against Tennessee. Against the Rams, they turned the ball over four times. Against the Steelers and Ravens, they turned the ball over twice. Chiefs and Dolphins once. Do not let that ball hit the ground, take the ball away. And keep the ball when they are willing to give it away. Here's my biggest issue. What is it we learned about this team from another NFL head coach? Maybe we already kind of knew it, but let's just, let's just go with that. When um, the Jets came to town, we heard about their little halftime pep talk, and it, it included what? It basically was a message to the team that if you keep hitting them in the mouth, they're going to quit. Just keep going. They're going to quit. Our defense has to play four quarters. I'm not even going to comment on our offense. Our defense needs to play four quarters. Our offense needs to figure out how to score 10 points. That's, that's, that's what they need to work on. They need to string together a drive. Consistently get first downs and try to punch it in the end zone when you get down there. See if you can do it without the assistance of the referees. That's your goal. And don't turn the ball over. Is, is, th- those are the two things. Get some first downs. Don't turn the ball over. See what happens. But our defense has got to play four quarters. It can't just be, hey, that was a good half. That was a good quarter. That was a good two and a half quarters. It's got to be four. Because Buffalo is that team. They're the team, just like the Kansas City Chiefs. Well, they'll be down by 21 points at halftime. They'll come out and they'll smoke you. If you go into halftime with a three-point lead, you may as well be down by 14. You have to play at 100,000% the entire game. You have to do it. There is no choice. If you play... Three and a half quarters, you're going to lose. Has to be four full quarters. And in terms of specifics, it's, it's hard to even get into it, you know, as far as, well, this matchup or that matchup, because if, if these guys continue to play and, and not really show up and, and give 100%, it doesn't matter where the good or bad matchups are. And, and conversely, if guys are going to show up and give 100%, I'll, I'll bet on any of them. I'll back anybody on our team if they're going to show up and give it 100%. You want me to back Zach Tom over Von Miller? I'll freaking do it. I just need guys to show up at 110%. That's it. Do what I said, and even if we don't win, just prove to me that you have the capacity to do it. That's why I said at the beginning of the the show, it's, it's, you know, the reason I want to keep talking about the issues is because it's more important than win or loss. I don't care, honestly, if we win or lose. It's more important that you show that you have the capacity to win, to care, to try. Fight for something, you know? Make it look like you care a little bit. Don't give up after a quarter or a half. Because Buffalo won't. Because Washington didn't. Because the Jets didn't. Because the Giants didn't. The Patriots didn't. Nobody else gives up. Why do you think you can show up with a half-hearted week of practice, week of preparation, and then give a half-hearted effort on a football field, and only give a half of a half-hearted effort because you give up at halftime and still win football games. And we're all sitting around going to scratch our head going, gee, I wonder why this isn't working. Giving a half of a half of an effort after working during the week less than, every, uh, less than your opponents did. This isn't hard, guys. This isn't even hard anymore. I don't need to go through the matchups. There are no matchups. Are you going to try to win the game or not? What's the point of talking, well, Jair can erase this guy, can he? What version of Jair are we going to get? Stephon Diggs and Jair Alexander. Right now, it's the number one wide receiver against the number 40 ranked cornerback. You want to have a conversation about that? That's where Jair ranks as number 40 right now. Stokes is ranked 87th. So much for our elite duo at corner. 
But I'm not even going to pretend that, uh, that that's what Jair actually is. But that's my point. Are we going to get that version of Jair that has the swagger, that has the ability, that has the talent to take away digs? Yes or no? Because it's the number one quarterback and the number one wide receiver in football right now. If Jair gives us peak Jair, and our, our defensive line plays the way that they have, not every single time, not every single week, but give me peak Rashawn, Kenny, Preston, keep blitzing the linebackers, this offensive line's not good. They don't have a tackle. They're down a tackle, so is going to be over where Rashawn Gary is. The interior of the offensive line is not good. They don't really have tight ends. The other two wide receivers are not good. It's a quarterback and a wide receiver. This is Rodgers Devante. Take it away. Can you do it or not? And on the other side, I'm, I, you know, again, I, it, it, for me, it comes down to Rodgers. Yeah, I mean, if the wide receivers can't get open and they're dropping passes and the offensive line can't block, we're doomed no matter what. That's true. But it's also true that if, if we keep getting a Rodgers that wants to panic when there's a, 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 the, the, what appears to be potential pressure um, is inaccurate and is staring down receivers, we cannot win. Block, run the ball, pass the ball, man. I, I, you know, I'm going to talk matchups. I'm not going to talk matchups. They, okay, their, their corners are ranked 63rd and 43rd. So beat them. Beat them. They got good pass rushers. They got good linebackers. They got good safeties. Beat the corners. You're real good at getting the ball out of your hand quick. Good. Keep doing it. Neutralize their pass rush. Get the ball out. Utilize the speed that you have. When I do the breakdowns, what did I say? Maybe this was on the episode that didn't get uh, didn't get played, but there was what? A, I think it was a 40-yard pass that happened in like 2.4 seconds. Something to that effect. You don't need three seconds to drive the ball deep down the field, especially if we're talking about Christian Watson. Do you know how far he can get down the field in two seconds? I'm talking about by the time you release the ball, where does that ball end up? I guarantee you it's a minimum of 30 yards. So you can get the ball out of your hand as quick as you want and still attack any part of the field. Behind the line of scrimmage, at the line of scrimmage, short, intermediate, and deep. You don't, nobody's asking you to hold the ball for three seconds. But again, this, this, is, this is bigger than, than win-loss for me. This, this isn't about, I, I don't, if you tell me the Packers lose, you haven't told me anything. If you tell me they won, I still have a lot of questions, but that that obviously says more. But again, it's it's not. It's 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 a half of an answer if you tell me the Packers lose today. There's so many things that we need to see. I want to know about the offensive line. Did they continue to block like they did last week, or did that fall apart? What about the mistakes? Were there double-digit mistakes again this week? What about the drops from the wide receivers? Did we have run, run, uh, wide receivers running routes into each other again? Do we have fumbled handoff exchanges? Is Aaron Rodgers throwing accurate passes? Is he panicking in the pocket? Is he staring down receiver? Can our defenders hold an edge? Are they tackling when a guy's right in front of them to make a tackle? Are, they, are there breakdowns in coverage again and again and again? There's so many questions. Can they beat Buffalo? Yeah, I guess. It's, it's going to take a superhuman effort. That's largely driven by the defense playing four quarters. And even then, again, you're, the offense needs to, to definitely get past 10, which I, I just I don't know if I have confidence in that. It's going to take a complete turnaround in terms of the way we play offense. Not just how well we play, it's the way we play. It's got to be different. This style of offense is not going to beat anybody. So, again, I'm I, uh, excited to watch the game. I mostly am, am trying to take a different tact when I watch. Enjoy the individual plays. Enjoy the ambiance of it. Stay off social media because obviously Bears and Vikings and Lions and everybody else that hates the Packers will be all over there just waiting to pounce. So I'm just going to ignore that and try to make a list in my mind of things that I would like to see that I will be able to see watching the TV copy. And that's it. We'll see what happens. I will say this, though. If the Packers win this game, it changes everything. Everything is is back on the table. I mean, there's still going to be questions of what exactly changed. That'll help us answer the question into the future as far as how things are going to turn out. But everything is back on the table if the Packers beat the Buffalo Bills, which is why I said Matt LaFleur needs to treat this game like it's the Super Bowl. This is it. This is is the most pivotal game you're going to play all year. There is no other game you're going to play that if you win it, your entire season just flipped around and, and is in the positive. This is that moment in a game where you're losing and you get that big play and and the momentum shifts 100% in your favor where it doesn't matter what the scoreboard says. Everybody in that stadium and everybody watching watches it and realizes you are now the favorite to win this game. The momentum is 100% in your favor. That's what this game is. Win the game. Pull out every bag of tricks, tricks you got. I don't care if it's a motivational speech, trick plays, fake punts. I don't care what it is. You're going to do everything within your power 
to win this game. And the other added benefit is if you unload every single thing you have and you do absolutely the best that you possibly can and you come up short, it tells you what that that, that, that kind of just tells you everything you need to know, doesn't it? So, anyways, I'm going to leave it at that. Lots and lots and lots to think about, but uh, we won't have any more answers until we watch this game. So we're gonna we're gonna leave it alone. Have yourselves a fantastic day. I will talk to you tomorrow. Have a good one. Bye bye. Everyone has that one goal, that thing they want to prove. Not to other people, but to themselves. Then right when you think you could actually do it, cancer. And that goal is still within reach. I would know. I'm about to run my first ever marathon with my two best friends. Three years after having cancer. At least we look good in these shorts. Woo! Let's get it, guys. You, keep making plans. Visit OhioHealth.com slash keep making plans to learn more.